Welcome to Forget the Box, the ultimate web series podcast. I'm your host slash Starable Community Director, Brie Castellini, and today we're talking all things contracts and professionalism. Important even if you have zero money in the bank. Our guest today is Kate Hackett, actress and filmmaker known for classic Alice, Not a Plan, and most recently, her upcoming short film, The Long Dig. We talk all the different kinds of contracts, what things absolutely need to be in place, no matter if you're working with a crew of 30 or just a couple of friends. And I promise it's way more interesting than it sounds. Do you want to wait for that sound? Can you I was just going to say, what, what's happening? My cat. <laughs> this will be a great cold open. Uh, welcome to Forget the Box, Kate. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Before we get started, uh, could you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you make? Yeah. So my name is Kate Hackett. I am an actor and a writer and a producer out of necessity. I made Classic Alice, which ran on YouTube for two years and now is running very successfully on Amazon. And I also made Not a Plan, which is on Amazon and another handful of things currently working on the long dig which is a sci-fi short film we are in post for that and what else i run a patreon at patreon.com slash kate hackett in order to like keep being able to make things so uh you you went to school back east where i am right now uh what did you study in school history (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay but did you all you I, I know you've talked before about how you basically immediately moved to LA so did you know that you wanted to be an actress when you were studying that yeah I knew when I was a little kid that that's what I wanted to do and for some reason I decided to have a practical major and history is not really a practical major I was gonna say <laughs> I mean I really enjoyed it it was a really interesting major I think it thought it taught me how to really critically think and I think that that's super important but sure. I don't know that it's any more usable or any less usable than like an acting degree I guess maybe for tutoring stuff you know my day job but I don't know right well because so the reason I ask is because you know you you have now successfully made quite a few things and so I was curious what your background is like what what was the first thing that you made for you I shot a short uh it was that is made the front page of Funny or Die. It was this little short telling kids to do drugs, like (laughs) do normal, regular drugs instead of crazy bath salts and stuff. Sure. And it did really well. It hit the front page on Funny or Die. And I was like, oh, this is fun. Um, And then I started writing more things. And I did Kate and Joe Just Want to Have Sex. That was an early one. And then I think Class Gallus was right after that. It was more a function of like, oh, I, I can figure this out. You surround yourself with enough people that have already done it once or twice. And you kind of learn from them. And then you do it and you bring people who haven't done it with you and you just make everybody better. Right. So what, what made you do that, that very first sketch having never really produced anything before? Gosh, why did I do that? (laughs) I think I was just like, I need to give something to my agents so they can be like, Oh, that's funny. And you know, look, look at, you know, what she can do. It was always, and classic Alice started as this is what I can go out and play. Like look at the thing that I just made and submit me for stuff like this. They, they all started as very, very small showcase things. Sure. Proof of concept almost. Yeah. Pro- proof of concept. Sure. Proof of concept of me. And then they just sort of 
ballooned, especially Classic Alice, into their, their own crazy things. How many episodes is Classic Alice in, in the end? 117, 18, 20. <laughs> yeah, I would say that ballooned all right. So what what made you keep <laughs> wanting to make it? The first the first six were, were always kind of like, let's see if we can make more of this. And then after that, I felt like we still had some juice left in us and we could push the envelope a little bit more and it would be fun to get everybody back together and keep you know everybody was working together really well and you don't want to just disperse after a project so I was Mm -hmm. like come back let's all do do more and we didn't have to pay for it you know we ran a kickstarter or an indiegogo or whatever we ran at that point and that's really my barometer is like are people still paying for this and (laughs) if they are we'll do more and if they are not no big deal (laughs) and then after that one I was like okay Now I feel like the story is done. I don't think there's really anywhere else to go. So cool. So today we are talking about contracts and kind of the what what comes with contracts, which is professionalism and taking yourself seriously. Uh, Did you have contracts on your your first Funny or Die sketch? Yes, because I'm SAG. And I think at that point I had been SAG. So partially because SAG required requires contracts. uh, Mm -hmm. I've always had them, but also partially because I am a student of history and a lot of us go on to be lawyers. (laughs) So you cover your ass, you know, anytime you are putting someone's face in something, you have to get their permission to use it. And anytime you are hiring somebody, you have to get their permission to continue to show it. I think we had contracts for, I know we did for the actors. I think we had them for the director writer guy as well Mm -hmm. I mean that was that was obviously like such a low stake little itty bitty thing but it's still someone else's creative work am I allowed to take this and show it around but you want to make sure you've signed something so that in 15 years somebody doesn't come back and say you own me for this or I you can't show this anymore or whatever did you like google like standard contracts Uh, obviously SAG has their own but like for the for the non-SAG contracty for that do you remember what you used find stuff yeah I think it's just like usage contracts stuff like that I would just google and adjust the names and whatever and if anything looked funky I would run it by again I was a history major so a lot of my friends are lawyers uh, sure. so I'd run it by a lawyer and just be like does this have any like crazy problems right so so the kinds of contracts for um let's say non-sag work uh, what I, the ones I know of are deal memos, which is essentially just like you will do this work and I will pay you or do this amount for you. Mm-hmm. And then talent releases, which is what you were talking about. The like I release you to be able to use my image in these circumstances. Uh, and that's really the only ones I've worked with. Are there others? Even with SAG, like you still give them those things. We also have people sign NDAs. Oh, really? On yeah. on all of the stuff that you've worked on or more recent stuff? Big stuff. So classic out. Al- I didn't do it with the one other actor, Chris, <laughs> in Not a Plan. <laughs> you didn't make Chris sign an NDA? That's crazy. <laughs> we know um, he's so loose-lipped. <laughs> and I, so classic Alice, we definitely did, especially with that audience. That audience is like, the, they sniff stuff out and they just pounce on things. So <laughs> we did for that one and we did for the long dig we had everybody sign NDAs just because it's also not our um, creative property. Yeah, so we right. don't want that getting out before the people who designed the game are ready to release it. 
Right. So NDA is a non-disclosure agreement. And that generally just means like until a certain point, you're not allowed to talk about anything unless you have express permission. What what does that actually tend to look Uh, like? It depends on it depends on the like you can make it say anything you want. Let's see. What do we have? We had for classic Gallus. It was pretty strict. It was like absolutely no uh, social media, no talking about it, no going anywhere about it. And it was pretty boilerplate but we were really clamped down because we didn't want anything to get out especially for the second season the nda for the long dig was more like don't tweet until we give you the okay and then we gave everybody kind of the okay on set and we said like we'll send you what we approve but take selfies take pictures get buzz out you know go for it because we don't have that built-in audience and i think that's important um if you have a built-in audience already and you want to keep things secret, absolutely, NDAs are important. Mm-hmm. But if you do not, I think it's better to let your actors especially kind of start whipping their fan base up because then they get excited and you can, you know, keep talking things up. And it's not like, out of the blue, here's a movie. Again, social media changes constantly, so I don't know. That's just what we're trying with the long dig. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely think that's the right way to go. And it's interesting because, so why did you feel the need to like officially, I, obviously the long dig, it's not your IP. So there's like right. a, there's sort of a separate thing. But for Classic Alice, why wouldn't you just like honor system it? What, what it, oh, I mean, in it your- is kind of the honor system. Like we sent out these contracts and we had people sign them. But to be honest, if <laughs> anyone tweeted or posted or whatever before I was ready for it, a, I probably would never know. And B, <laughs> like, what what am I really going to do? You know? sure. I'm not going to take you to small claims court because you tweeted something. I might just be like, oh, dude, don't do that. We asked. But so then why why did you do it then, out of curiosity? Just to cover a butt, you know, in the, just to make it also very clear, this is a question that actors have all the time now is what am I allowed to tweet? And it's a fair right. question, but on the day, like on set, I don't want 18 people coming up to me and saying, what am I allowed to tweet? What am I allowed to post? Gotcha. So if you put a blanket policy in place beforehand, you can then like adjust as needed, but everybody knows kind of their net sum where they start. Something that some actors do is they'll tweet about or Instagram a photo from an actual big production and they'll get fired. Like, I probably am not going to fire you for this, but I could. I I am a big fan of zero surprises because there are going to be surprises on set. Like, this lens might be missing or this light didn't work or whatever. But nonsense like this, I do not want to be dealing with on the day. So I like to get it all tidied away before we start. So it's less about the the consequences and more about just setting out a, this is the expectation of this project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's, I think, a a good place to sort of jump into professionalism. The the first reaction that people tend to have whenever I am, like, talking to especially younger creators are like, well, I'm just working with my friends. Like, yeah, we want to, you know, send it to film festivals or whatever. But, like, if they're my friends, do I really need a contract? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) You do because you need their permission to use their face. Mm-hmm. or their whatever. And it also it gives you a way to say this is this these are the expectations that we all agree to. And it gives them a chance to come back and say I don't agree to this thing, you know, I, odds are they're not going to do that, but sure. they can come back and say, "Hold on, you have me working for 20 hours a day for four weekends like no, mm-hmm. dude. It is a working relationship. And this is tricky. Like even I deal with this now 
these people are your friends. They really mm. become your friends either like while you're working or they already were your friends because you work with people you know yep. and that's this industry. And it's, it's also hard, like you don't want to piss people off either. So, mm. so in, as far as like, you're just filming stuff for your buddies or with your buddies, especially if anybody's SAG, you have to have contracts. Mm. But even if they're not, it's just a good idea to have something to fall back on so that you can say, okay, we all agreed that this was what we were going to do and where this is going to wind up and what we want it to look like. And now you're not doing your job. Mm -hmm. Let's figure something out and part ways or whatever. And it's just fewer feelings get hurt and you don't wind up with those questions that are on the terrible board a lot, which is like, <laughs> what do I do? My friend's not helping. And my responses are always like, so find someone else. It is what it is. You can't force people to do stuff. So actually, so that's, that's something uh, that's important. So Jamie from the forum community.sterrible.com asks, can I combine things into one? So like, you know, we've talked about like four or five different contracts at this point. Is there a version of this for like an indie person that they could maybe just do a, a catch-all? Is there, is that appropriate? Because it's so easy to just grab blanket non-disclosures or, you know, whatever else you need. No. <laughs> okay that, interesting my brain broke no I don't think so and I don't know why you would want to do that because it's pretty easy to get each individual thing but also legal speak there are a lot of details and if you're just trying if you're just trying to sweep everything into one paragraph you're gonna miss stuff it's just sure. there's too many ways to loophole what happens when you when you're like personalizing a contract like I know I think you and I talked about this probably a year ago at this point about um social media clauses not like NDA social media right. clauses but like expectation social media clauses in contracts right. where does that go and also where I don't actually remember where do you stand on that issue uh you can put it wherever you want like it depends on which agreement you've got but you can just add another clause you can you can edit as much as you want. And then as far as how do I feel about social media expectations, I think it's great. I think your actors appreciate being told this is what we need from you mm -hmm. versus them trying to guess like, you know, have I done this enough or whatever. If you're also, if you're asking them to do it, it does help if you follow up with like, here's, you know, 12 tweets for you that we wrote that you can just copy and paste. Yeah, well, and, and that's another question that I think comes up a lot in the terrible forums is how do I like my, my cast, you know, it's been six months or whatever, we've been in post and my cast is like not helping promote the thing. Like, why, why won't they help? How do I make them help? And I'm like, well, first of all, you probably should have gotten it in writing if you have this expectation and something isn't working because they're not doing it. That's yeah. on you, not on them. Um, yeah. But yes, also, I totally agree. Like, yes, just write their tweets for them or at the very least yeah. provide them with like their own unique promotional imagery. Like, don't just give them a cast photo and say, here, use this. Like, yes. give them something of them, especially yeah. for cast members. Actors love their face. So yeah, so let's talk about like professionalism a little bit more specifically because you and I both run in uh, similar circles online right now and we see a lot of like up and coming people who are always worried that people aren't taking them seriously and that they want to be taken seriously even if they have very little money. So from, you know, the the Kate Hackett school of, you know, <laughs> taking no shit, what are what's your what's your advice for uh for people who want to let's say they're uh, the creator producer and they want to, you know, assert authority, get respect from the the people that they're working with. What are what are your tips for them? During the pre-production process, you need to take no shit. You know, you need to be 
on top of your game, you just need to look like you know what you're doing, you know, because you don't know if it's a friend of a friend, whatever, like you don't sure. know how, how they're going to behave. But being on top of things, getting signatures, being in constant communication, knowing exactly what each department needs, and you can't be full of yourself, you can't be condescending to people, but you also have to know, like, I know what I'm doing and go do it because I think that's what people respond to. You're not their buddy when you're the boss and it sucks, but you can't be really. So what does that mean in like practical terms? Like to you, what does it mean to be the boss and not the buddy, even if you're working with friends? Right. So like on Classic Alice, I was an actor with them, but I was also their boss. And actually the Christmas episode, if you watch it, Tony and Elise are drunk. (laughs) 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 And I was not. And I didn't know this until way later when I think I want to say Tony told me and I was like, you did what? (laughs) Um, But that's what I mean. Like, I I didn't get to do that with them because I'm their boss and they can't be like, hey, come drink on set with us. I don't even know where they got the drink. Like, who got alcohol? (laughs) Even if this was not like a set thing, like you're in in an office, right? Your employees have to blow off steam about you sometimes. Sure. Which kind of means you can't always just be their buddy. Yeah, I agree. I will also say, especially if you were friends with people before you start working with them, try to make time with them that isn't about the project. Because that's definitely a mistake that I have made where, you know, it's uh, usually it's because it's my project and I'm just like always talking about it. And I think it's fun. I'm having a great time. (laughs) And then I realize like, oh, these people are really burnt out because like this isn't it's not their baby. And you have to really respect the fact that this is just a job for some people. Other people, it's like, one of the most fun jobs they've ever had and other people it's it's just not their thing and you're gonna work on sets like that you can't get butt hurt when people don't take it as seriously as you do because no one's going to take it as seriously as you do it's true and you also need to give them a break because like especially if you're friends like you you shouldn't only be in work mode with them and if you're in a mode where you're only in work mode Maybe take some time apart so that like you can do that and they can have like their own life back. I say, yeah, I'm like, yeah, totally, totally. But I live in work mode. So I I mean, so do I like I because and this is what I had to learn is especially because like I used to live with people that I worked with. So I went to school with them. I lived with them and we worked on projects together and it was too much. Blair from the forum asks, how do you be professional if you have no money or budget? How do you act professional if you're on a no budget set, uh, especially if you're shooting in your own apartment? Act as though you are, you do have money and a budget. You know, if, if it's your set, you set the tone for that set. You need to show them kindness and respect for doing all of this work for you for nothing. If it's someone else's set, you're there to have fun and help. Anything you do, I, I forget where it's it's like a theater thing like you treat every show you do like you're on Broadway you know you Mm. you behave as if this is the big thing and obviously of course it's not you know you shooting a web series in your apartment for six weekends is not going to be your big break but why treat it like a chore it should be serious to you and I think if you come into things with this is a serious important thing for me and I really love it and I want to be here I, I think that's being professional. You're entering with a good attitude and hopefully you've, you know, during pre-production made it clear what you need from everybody sure. and you're supported. If it's your set, you were there to support everybody else. Cool. So let's go back to contracts because we've got a couple yeah. other questions. So Jamie asks, uh, how do you write a contract that isn't condescending if it's low or no pay? And also what the heck is deferred payment? 
Okay, so for writing a contract that isn't condescending, contracts shouldn't be condescending at all, period. <laughs> I think the concern she has is that, like, if if she's, you know, writing down expectations, but at the end the compensation is, like, zero, is that not in itself inherently condescending? No, because they can say no. You are dealing with, God, this drives me nuts. People signing contracts have the right to say, I don't agree to this. I don't want to do it for this. And if they do not, if they sign it, that is what it is. So you can move on. I think everybody's feelings need to take a backseat with contracts. <laughs> Deferred payment just means that in the event that the movie makes X amount of money, you will then kick in a day rate for your actors or whatever you've agreed to. So on some shows, you can say like, if Bob the Wonder Unicorn sells for $2 million, actors will receive $3,000 each or whatever. Like, okay. you can have it astronomically high you can be like if this movie makes eight billion million monies you get a pony like whatever (laughs) (laughs) is there a standard is it usually like i will just pay you back for the day rate plus maybe like a little interest like what's usually it's usually just the day rate even if that like if you're being deferred don't expect anything you probably will see nothing ever have you had experience writing contracts for people who hold multiple roles the kind of multi-hyphenates that web series people know very well like like you like what would you what would your contract look like if you had to like sign one with yourself yeah i don't sign a contract with myself you could do it a couple ways i guess you could have a contract for each role our colorist and our editor are the same person so we had him sign one thing detailing the expectations for both jobs and we also said what credit do you want like we'll we'll credit you however you want what's most helpful for you and he came up with you know whatever credit we're giving him that I was actually that was going to be my follow-up is that like because this I think happens a lot too where you know people are like I, I deserve this credit and I don't understand why I don't have it How do you, have you ever had to like negotiate credits with somebody, especially like probably producer level credits? Generally speaking, I feel like credits are like candy when you're not (laughs) paying a lot of money to people. Okay. If you can accommodate, you should, because you're not paying anyway. (laughs) Like, what does it hurt you to give, you know, if somebody does extra work for something, what does it hurt to give that person a bump of a credit? Nothing. It hurts nothing. What about your principles? What if you're like, this person didn't do as much as uh, they said they were going to do, but they still want their producer credit? I think it's one of those things you just kind of have to go, this really bothers me, but it's not worth the stink. You know, it's not worth the fight. I get it. <laughs> You've got, it. It feels like I have this leg to stand on. I should take a stand. But I think it's generally you should just kind of roll your eyes and give the credit out and know that this happens at all levels. At all levels, there are people not doing the work that they should be doing. Odds are, if you're having this thought, you're probably a girl. (laughs) And like, (laughs) why am I working so hard? I mean, unless somebody's actively fucking up the project. Right. Like if it's malicious, like, yeah, Yeah. you know, deduct them, whatever. Which is why it's really important to have your expectations very, very clear up at the beginning. Yep. And if people are not giving what they need to be giving, you can sit down and say, you're not fulfilling your obligations. And, you know, here's what you need to do in order to make sure that you get this credit because right now you haven't earned it. And then it can be more of a constructive conversation about like, well, 
here's what you can do. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So then we've already talked about compensation a little bit. For SAG actors, new media, you have to provide workers comp and insurance and all this other nonsense. So like, it's deferred or nothing. But if it's just friends, yeah, give them a couple bucks for gas and just say thank you and they will appreciate it. And if you're worried about being condescending, I think you need to get over it. Second guessing yourself does nothing. It, it That's what makes you look weak. And that's when people stop respecting you on set. And you, if you're constantly worried about other people's feelings, which are not your responsibility, you won't get stuff done. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that you, you shouldn't be kind and you, you shouldn't be respectful. Yeah, of course. Okay. And so the, the last part of the contract stuff that I've heard that that um, is where I've found a lot of people get into trouble um, having not stipulated is the usage. And we've touched briefly on that. That should be included in part of your... Talent release? Yes. Thank you. Like you're allowed to use all images related to this. Just because someone's your friend and doing a project for you doesn't mean that... They've consented to anything past right. the filming of it itself. Right. They're protecting themselves and you're protecting yourself. Sometimes those two things collide and you're also, you're protecting the picture as well. And sometimes that all comes to a head. Usage also kind of falls into the different SAG contracts, which I don't think we've talked a lot about. No. That varies. So like if you shoot something on a new media contract, you are restricted in where it airs. You can air it online, which means YouTube, Vimeo, whatever. You can Mm -hmm. also put it on Amazon Prime and Netflix and other things like that. You cannot, however, submit to film festivals on a new media contract, which is stupid. And I think they're changing it. Oh, because it's not because it's technically distributed through a screening. Because it's a theatrical release now. So you would have to go to the theatrical. They also have short film agreements they have in independent film agreements like they have a whole bunch of other things and then television so if your show as mine was uh is courted by a tv station or whatever like we had a television network that aired digital tv ask like you know would you like to be on this and i was like yeah but that's tv and then i'd have to pay my actors residuals and that's gonna bankrupt us so no (laughs) Um, so if you make that jump then you have to start paying serious tv residuals right which is a whole other ball game and i think usually in sag's experience the network or whoever you're dealing with they would be like that would be part of your contract with them they would right it wouldn't come out of your pocket right except now we have these terrible rev shares which is how how you can make those jumps like you've got a rev share on youtube or wherever Mm -hmm. and this TV, this digital station has modeled itself off of that. And in a rev share, I'm just being paid a percentage. And then right. my actors would be, be would get like a percent of a percent of a percent. It was just nonsense. I was like, ah. right. They weren't like paying to purchase the show from right. you. They're, like... they're not buying the rights to the show. They're just airing it. And it's this weird thing that I don't know if SAG completely understood it. And I don't know if the digital station really understood what they were talking about and what they were asking. And I don't think anybody got together and sat down and was like, oh, hold on. This is a lot trickier than we realized. Well, not for them. For mostly, it sounds like for you, which keeps their hands clean. But I was like, no, (laughs) I would love to, but no. And I think that the usage thing 
is probably one of the most important things that you need to like make sure that you have in place because there are so many different things that potentially could happen. Like if your show gets optioned by a distributor, if like even if it's a, a free distributor, because there's tons of free indie streaming series services now, or you know, if you want to submit well, it to film festivals. I don't have to tell my actors. I actually, I don't have to tell my actors anything. I just have to make sure that they've been paid correctly. So sure. if I went and jumped to television with Classic Alice, I don't have to get their permission. I can just do it. But I would have to then within, I think it's like 45 days or something, make sure that SAG has the money that, you know, the actors right. are getting. But you have talent releases and a lot of people do not. And then they start like doing all this stuff like, oh my gosh, I might get on a distributor. And then somebody on their cast is like, uh, I'm actually not comfortable with that. You didn't say that you were putting it anywhere other than YouTube. And then they're stuck because they're right. They didn't sign anything. I think the biggest, most important thing that you need to remember in situations like that, this is your thing, not their thing. If actors are like, I'm not comfortable with that platform, you need to have thrown a roadblock up way earlier with those usage agreements and just mm -hmm. like you should not be restricting yourself in a contract you shouldn't be saying we will only do this on youtube you should say it should be an in perpetuity yes everywhere in the world you know forever and ever and always amen and yep. actors don't have the right to stop your project actors do not have the right to not like where it lives and you need to make sure that they don't ever have that right from the get-go. And so actually Blair uh, Blair from the forum asks, can you do contracts after you've already shot something or is it ever too late for a contract? Trying to chase people to give you stuff is always harder than we won't hire you unless you give us this stuff. So like I had to chase people down for W9s for something because I had forgotten to do it before. And I got them, but it was a pain, you know, and, and people's taxes were going to be late and you, know, you just don't want that. So doing it before is always better. You can do it after. Like if you mm -hmm. send your, your cast like, hey, we need a usage agreement from you and you just send it. Don't, apo don't apologize for being late. Just be like, here it is. Sign it mm -hmm. and get back to us ASAP, please. And then you just have to hound people for it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, then you are in the position, like if you've already started filming, like, they might not sign it and then you sure. might have to decide like I either don't do anything with this and keep shooting or I fire them and hire right. someone else and reshoot everything or if like that already shot and you're completely wrapped and you just didn't do it and now it's you know you're getting ready to release and they're not signing it and they're not they're if they're deliberately like taking a stand not signing it you have a problem you know most of the time though it's people like Oh, I just saw this. I didn't, you know. Oh, uh, I, I don't check my email very often. Right. You just really have to be on their ass about it. Mm -hmm. So before is always better. It's just easier right. for you. It's less. Yeah. But, it, but it's not like you're not going to be put in legal hot water. If they, if they, have, if they sign it eventually before you do anything, you, yeah. you're good. Again, odds that somebody raises a, a real legal stink because it costs money to go to mm -hmm. small claims, it costs money for them to take you to court. And it's usually nowhere near worth what, you know, whatever they're going to get. Yeah. So to some degree, you can kind of like, all right, well, this is taking forever. I'll just, you know, grab him when I see him kind of thing. Like you can do what you need to do. Right. So to kind of wrap this up, I, I've seen this question uh, a couple of times in a couple of different places, and I have a feeling I know what your answer is going to be, but uh, when you're no. working... <laughs> Yeah, not that you're predictable or anything. Um, <laughs> when you're working with a friend and they 
bristle at like the the level of professionalism by the way you're acting or the the fact that you have given them a contract if they feel like weird or uncomfortable or make fun of you for for treating this professionally uh what do you do find a new friend (laughs) i did not see that coming at all (laughs) all right so you're if they make fun of you for it just you know okay haha sign it anyway like whatever problem (laughs) solved if they won't sign it, if they ref- if they don't want to treat things as you need need them to be treated, find someone else to do the job. Like, why does this person, why do you need this person? Convenience. I don't know anybody else. Uh, <laughs> then do it yourself. I don't, I mean, because they're not going to help you. They're only going to make things harder for you if that's their attitude going in. If you're trying to do this as a job. Or even as a proof of concept to eventually right. get a job. Right. You have to treat it as a job. And if they are not really actually that helpful, why force your friendship down this hole where you're going to be upset with them if they've already showed you, you know, like, I don't want to take it as seriously as you do. Why railroad yourselves down this terrible path where you're going to wind up not liking each other? Just like, okay, cool. I get it. Maybe next time I need these things from the person I'm working with, no hard feelings, we'll find something, you know, that fits us better. And then move on. Forcing people to do stuff or behave in a way that they don't want to behave in never works. So just don't try. (laughs) Like actors, we get a bad rep for, you know, not showing up on time or otherwise being unprofessional. I think that's really where your weaker links are going to pop up. Actors are, I hate to say it, pretty (laughs) replaceable. And nobody should be behaving poorly on a set like even if behaving poorly just means they're not on time Mm -hmm. that's not fair to everyone else there's at least four other people with you like get your butt there on time if it's stuff like that and it's really just insurmountable you gotta walk away like maybe finish this one project and then like never work with that person again if that's what that means walking away is both liberating and the most important thing you will ever learn to do. (laughs) All right. And with that, uh, Kate, do you have any final pieces of advice about contracts, about professionalism, about being on a a set, but wanting to take it seriously? Don't be afraid to let things go. It it can be very easy to kind of want to hold on a little bit too tightly, both creatively and contract wise, like sometimes, you know, people are people. Sometimes they need a little bit of flexibility. Like if somebody's not working as much as you would want them to, maybe they need two weeks to kind of get themselves back on track and then everything's fine. So you can be flexible and still be a strong leader and and firm with what you need. All right. Well, thanks so much, Kate. You're welcome. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Forgot the Box. Remember, if you like this episode, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It really means a lot to us. And also tell a friend who might be interested. Next week, we're talking to filmmaker Alex LeMay, who says that if you're an independent filmmaker who's not making $250,000 a year, you're doing something wrong. We talk about pitching and breaking into the quote-unquote industry, regardless of if that's television or just paying digital gigs. Yes, you heard me right. Paying digital gigs. Find out more next week as new Forget the Box episodes come out every Tuesday. Until then, thanks for listening, and thanks again to Anna Eichenauer, at Queer German Girl on Twitter, for our theme music. 